This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. Matthew 16 is where we'll begin. The word identity itself means the state of being alike or a distinguishing characteristics of a person. So the goal here the next couple of weeks are begin to change the way we view ourselves and get my identity off of the things I've done, how I've been in reference to my past and understand God's got a future for you. God wants you to hook up with what he says about you. So we'll go into this and just watch how the scriptures will teach us. Matthew 16, verse 13. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea of Philippi, he's asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So they said, Some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, others Jeremiah, one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? But who do you say that I am? Now Jesus gets very personal here. And he doesn't say, who does your mother say that I am? Who does your grandmother say that I am? He said, who do you say that I am? And in this verse right here, the only person that can answer for me, or the only person that can answer for you, is you. And my answer to this verse has the capabilities of changing the way I live on this earth and will ultimately determine where I spend eternity at. Now, we live in a society that there's many that don't believe in a God at all, and then we have a bunch that believe that everybody's going to heaven. Well, not everybody's going to heaven, okay? And biblically, you can look. There's many references to study that on. But in Galatians 5, he gives a list of several things. And in Galatians 5.21, the Apostle Paul said this, These shall not have a part in the kingdom of heaven. So there are things I can do and don't do that will determine my eternal destination. You know, in saying that, I don't know this pertains to you today, but we've had several already this morning that have said how, how the devil has messed with them in the last few days. And it really, 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 really irritates me because he, he has no authority over us and so... You know, I believe part of this today is going to teach also that Jesus has given you some authority. So with me saying that, you don't have to put up with the devil. He's a thief and he's a liar. And so we just want to give you the truth and give you some ammunition today to begin to use your authority. Keep reading with me here. So he said, who do you say that I am? Verse 16. Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. So Peter right here, he says, Lord Jesus, you're the Christ, you're the Messiah. And this is how Simon identified Jesus in his life. He said, I recognize you as the Christ. So after he says that in verse 18 or verse 17, Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. So we get the picture here that Jesus is saying, who do you say that I am? Who do men say that I am? And then he said, who do you say I am? And Simon said, you're the Christ. And right after Simon says, you're the Christ, Jesus responds to him and says, you're blessed. 
You're blessed. Now, if we went way, way back into the history of the Bible, into Genesis, the early part, especially Genesis 3, the Bible's very clear that when Adam and Eve got into sin, it caused every human being who comes into this earth to be under a curse. You've been cursed. I've been cursed. And right here, when he gets born again, he says, you're blessed. So the only way that we as human beings can have the curse reversed and come into a blessing is to receive Jesus as Lord of your life. Galatians 3.13 says it this way, that Christ has redeemed us, he's repurchased us from the curse of the law. And so in this particular instance, Jesus said, a once a, a man who used to be cursed, I now pronounce a blessing on him. And any time any human being gives their heart to Jesus and he becomes Lord of their life, there's a blessing on you too. Now, keep reading with me here, and he's going to identify a couple other things. Verse 18. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades or the gates of hell shall not prevail against it, the church. What's the church made up of? people. And so the foundation or the rock is salvation. That's our foundation point. That Man, when you can begin to say that Jesus is Lord of my life, your life begins to change. And he puts a guarantee on here and he said, and the gates of hell won't prevail against it. The gates of hell won't prevail against the church. Now watch the added bonus that he pronounces on me and you in verse 19. And Jesus said, and I will give you The one who's made me Lord of their life, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Now, that is a a benefit for every one of us that are born again. You have a right to speak the name of Jesus. You have a right to bind up the the devil. That the principalities and powers, all of them that are listed in, in Ephesians 6.12. And so you've got to begin to understand your authority in Christ Jesus. And so if fear has been dominating you, you begin to tell it, no, I bind you up in the name of Jesus. And I lose peace. I lose blessing. If the devil's been messing with your sleep, bind him up and start loosening the blessings of God. Because this is one of the blessings. How did this happen? Because my identity now is in Jesus. And because my identity is now in Jesus, I have authority to bind and to loose. You know what that means? Literally, this will help you. Jesus deputized you. He said, I give you the keys. Whoever has the keys has the authority. How did that take place? Well, according to Colossians 1.12, it says, The Father has qualified us as partakers of the inheritance in life. How'd that happen? I gave my heart to Jesus. Something begins to happen when we give our heart to Jesus. Now here's the way we're going to head this morning, just for a little bit. If you'll look back at verse 16, he referenced Simon Peter. In verse 17, he referenced him as Simon But in verse 18, he now references him as Peter. So what ultimately happens here is before Peter got born again, his literal name was Simon. 
The name Simon here meant unstable. It meant unpredictable. It meant impulsive. And when you go back and look at his life, that's the way it was. But he gives his heart to Jesus and he gets a new name. His name now is Peter, which meant Petra or rock. So when you begin to study Peter's life, not only did he get a new name, with that new name he got a whole new nature. He began to not only act differently, he began to live differently, and the fruit in his life was totally different before. Now I want you to see this pattern that goes on, and this isn't just in the New Testament, this happens in the Old Testament. Look into the book of Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9. And as you're turning there, 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Behold, old things have passed away. All things have become new in him. So when you give your heart to Jesus, Jesus comes on the inside of you. And he starts doing a work in your heart. And it isn't an overnight work. It is a process. And I found out the more I hang out with Jesus, whether that's just to praise him, whether that's to get into his word, whether that is to pray, my life begins to change. This is the point all through the day. You can see your life change when you get around Jesus. Acts 9, verse 1. Then Saul was still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest. And he asked letters from him in the synagogues of Damascus, so that if he found any who were of the way, whether men or women, he might bring them bound or in chains to Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven to get your attention. Then he fell on the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Now at this point in his life, there's an encounter that Saul is having With Father God. God still does those things. Verse 5. And Saul said, who are you, Lord? Now in saying that right there, Saul realizes there's a higher power that's involved in his life right now. Something's going on that literally, really, really, really gets his attention. Keep reading here. Who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, I am Jesus. So we got this guy named Saul who doesn't know the Lord. He's out killing Christians or or, uh, giving others the opportunity to kill him. And he's on his way to Damascus and all of a sudden this light shines on him. And he realizes there's a higher power. And he says, who are you, Lord? And Jesus literally identifies himself and he says, I am Jesus. Now, with him saying that right there, it's almost like in this situation what exactly we just read in Matthew 16 with Peter. Is if the Lord was saying to Saul, but who do you say I am? Now, watch his response here in verse 6. So he saw trembling and astonished. He said, Lord. He said, Lord. So right there, Jesus identifies himself, and after he identifies himself, Saul says, you're Lord. I believe right here is when Saul gave his heart to Jesus. And so ultimately, he loses his sight. God moves on a man named Ananias and said, listen, Ananias, 
you got to go pray for this guy named Saul. And Ananias says, but Lord, do you not realize this guy's bad to the bone? He's nuts. Now look what the Lord said about him in verse 15. But the Lord said to him, go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine. I want you to think just a second here. This was a man who was persecuting people. He had witnessed people being killed. And all of a sudden, the Lord says once he gets born again, he's a chosen vessel. So that tells me right there, when we give our heart to Jesus, he not only changes our name and our nature, he changes our purpose. Now look what he said about him. He's a chosen vessel for what? To bear my name before the Gentiles, kings, and the children. This was his calling. It was to begin to get other people saved. And I want you to understand here again, this guy in 1 Timothy, he said this out of his own mouth, I'm the chief sinner. In other words, there's no one sinned more or worse than me, but all of a sudden God says, I'm going to use that fella. God will use you. God will use me. I don't care what your past has been. I don't care the shames of your life, the guilt of your life. God has a plan for you, and it all begins with salvation. Now turn just a couple pages to Acts 12. Acts chapter 12, and I, I've got to read this here to, just to kind of show you where we're heading here. Verse 25, just one verse. Note in this passage, he references three men. And Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem, and they had fulfilled their ministry. And they also took with them John, whose surname was Mark. Now the reason I want to read this is it says this guy's name was John, but he was called Mark. Again, the Lord changed a guy named Simon to Peter. Now this guy named Saul, which Saul meant he demanded death. His name goes from Saul to Paul. Paul meant little or a man of humility. And so God had this pattern that when men would get born again, he would change their name. And when they changed their name, their character or their fruit, or their nature would match that new name. The third person listed in this verse is a guy named Barnabas. His original name was Joseph. You know what Barnabas meant? Acts 4.36 says, son of encouragement. So, Joseph gets his name changed to Barnabas, and you know what it looked like? Because of the fruit in his life, because of the nature... If encouragement had a son, his name would be Barnabas. Now, I want you to think about this just a second. If the people associated with you in your life, whether your family, your home, people you work with or people that know you, if they could change your name to the fruit of the nature of your life, what would your name be? Would it be son of encouragement? Or son of discouragement? Would it be mad or sad? Would your name be happy or angry? Would your name be doormat? Would your name be fornicator? Would your name be hothead? 
Or would your name be what some of the fruit of the Spirit talks about in Galatians 5? If love had a daughter, it would be you. If, if joy had a son, it would be you. See, the nine fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, self-control, goodness, kindness, gentleness, and meekness or humility. See, I believe that's what God wants to begin to do with us. So let me ask you that again. What would your name be? How about this? What if I would like my name to be something other than how I am right now? Is that possible? I believe so. Biblically, we can go back into the Old Testament, and there was a husband and wife named Abram and Sarai. And you know what God said? I'm going to change your name from Abram to Abraham, and I'm going to change her name from Sarai to Sarah. And ultimately, your name will be what you become. See, God still does those things. Look at the book of Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. Now, here's a thought as you're turning there. How many of you ever been by a person that you looked at the fruit of the character in their life and you said, I'd like to be like them? Probably every one of us in this room have said that about somebody. I would like to be like them. Well, understand this. They were sinners just like me and you. And they got born again somewhere along the road. And God began to work in their life. So you know what that tells me? We still got hope. God can still move in your life. Now, I, I want to brag here just a minute about on, on a couple of people in the church that I've seen. Years ago, when I was a young believer, there was a guy in the church in Clovis. And I would call him the apostle of love. If love had a son, it was this guy. He was incredible. I mean, just the, the description of love. Love literally oozed out of him. And I would look at him and think, God, how can he be that way? There's another man over there, and many of you will know him. He's the drummer that plays a lot of times at the Men of Iron. He's in his 60s now. He's the real thin black guy named Greg Darden. He's an apostle of love too. I'm telling you, he's the description of love. All the years I was around Greg, I would see love. Now, right here in this church, I begin to witness people. And I watch their character. I watch their nature. And so, since I have the mic, I'm just going to go ahead and brag on this person. I think most of you would agree with me. If love had a son, his name would be Mark Groom. See, some of you don't know Mark, but the ones of you that do, I, I've never seen him angry. I've always seen him love people, and still to this day I look and I think, man, Lord, is there hope for me? Lord said, you, you got a lot of molding to do here, buddy. I said this in the first surface. If kindness and goodness had a husband and wife, it would be Bob and Jane Worth. And if you don't know them, if you ever get around them, they always make people feel special. Always. So I say that to say this to me and you. God will change your nature. He'll change your character. He'll begin to move in you in ways where people begin to look at you and say, what happened to you? And you can say, Jesus came into my life and he took a mess and he 
started putting love in him. He started putting kindness in him. Look here in Ephesians chapter 2 and watch how the Bible will teach us. Verse 1. And you, so he's writing to me and you, and you, he, the Lord Jesus made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sin. Morally and spiritually, we were dead in trespasses and sin. You know who he's talking to? Every human being that's ever came on this earth. Every one of us. How do you know that? We'll just keep reading. In which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the devil, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all, every one of us, once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, yes, some of us better than others, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and we were by nature, temperament, or character, children of wrath, just as the others. So my nature, your nature, before you gave your heart to Jesus, was this way. You know what your nature was like? The devil. You said, not mine. Yeah, you were. Every one of us who come into this earth, that is our nature. Right there. But he said something in verse 1. He said, but you, he made alive. How did he make us alive? Who were dead in trespasses and sins. So watch this. Verse 4. But God, who is rich in mercy, thank the Lord, because of his great love, which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses. Now think again. We weren't dead physically. We were dead spiritually. He made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you've been saved. I'm telling you right there, man. Somebody should have shouted right there. Thank you for that one. Twice he mentions we were dead. Every one of us in this room. We were dead spiritually. How did he say he made us alive? Through Christ Jesus. So when Christ Jesus comes into my heart, I literally become that new creation. He doesn't necessarily change me outwardly. He changes me inwardly. And before long, that inward change starts manifesting outwardly. But it begins right here. Now, the reason I have this here is I want to read this same passage in the message. This is Ephesians 2, verse 1 in the message. Now, listen real close to this. Just looking to make sure it wasn't up there. It wasn't so long ago that you were mired in that old stagnant life of sin. You let the world, which doesn't know the first thing about living, tell you how to live. You filled your lungs with polluted unbelief, and then you exhaled disobedience. We all did it, all of us doing what we felt like doing, when we felt like doing it. All of us in the same boat. It's a wonder God didn't lose his temper and do away with the whole lot of us. Instead, immense in mercy and with incredible love, he embraced us. He took our sin-dead lives and he made us alive in Christ. He did all these things on his own with no help from us. So the only way I go from the nature of the devil to the nature of my heavenly father is through Jesus. Jesus qualifies me. He qualifies you. Turn to Revelations 2. Revelations chapter 2. 
as you're turning there, Isaiah 64 says that God is the potter and we're the clay. If I was to read Ephesians 2.10, which I just jumped over, it says we are God's workmanship. The New Living says right there, we are God's masterpiece. You are God's masterpiece. Remember this, God don't make no junk, okay? We're his masterpiece. So think about I'm the masterpiece, and then there in Isaiah 64, he said, he's the potter and we're the clay. So when you think about a masterpiece, and again, I'm no Picasso, all right? I've never made any pottery, but I understand the concept of that. It doesn't happen overnight. That a person that begins to make like a piece of pottery, they they put it under that wheel, and it keeps turning, and then they'll pull it off, and then they'll begin to mold it a little bit more, and they'll get a couple of the lumps out, and then they'll put it back on there. And that's the same with God. We are literally a work in progress. And as long as I stay under that wheel, God keeps shaping me and he keeps forming me. And then he'll bring me back out and then he'll paint on me a little more. And then he'll move me a little bit forward. Again, guys, it isn't a transformation that takes place overnight. You know, they say this, and this is through Jewish customs. I've looked and I've looked and looked. When the apostle Paul got his name changed from Saul, it was 13 years in the making. 13 years. See, a lot of times in our society, we want this extreme makeover overnight. Understand, God is working on you. And as long as you keep hanging around the things of God, whether it's the Word of God, you learn to pray, you learn to get into God's presence, He'll keep shaping you. He's never done with us. Get ready to get blessed here. Revelations 2, verse 17. He who has an ear... Let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes. That's important right there. To him who overcomes. The reason that's important. The only way you and me ever overcome is through the blood of Jesus. Revelations 12, 11, We overcome by the blood of Jesus. What does that mean? How am I saved? By the blood of Jesus. His blood washed all my sin. Took care of every bit of it. But every day I keep coming under the blood. I speak the blood over my mind. I speak the blood over my tongue. And as long as I stay under the blood and the broken body and the name of Jesus, something keeps happening in me. Who keep washing me, Lord Jesus. I'm an overcomer by the blood of Jesus. So we overcome by the blood. And I will give some of the hidden manna to eat. And I will give him a white stone. And on the stone... A new name, written which no one knows except him who receives it. You know, God wants to give you a new name. He did it with Jacob. He took Jacob to Israel. I've seen that over and over in the Bible, both New Testament and Old, that when a person gets born again, God gives them a new name, with a new name, a new nature, a new nature, a new purpose. And so this purpose of, of Peter and the purpose of Paul was at one time they were bad. They were full of the things of the world, but God moved them where they became agents of the kingdom of God. But not only does he give us a new purpose, then he begins to ignite my passion. Whatever you're doing in life, there's got to be passion. 
When you have passion love, it changes everything. Now, let me share this about a new name. This was at least 10 years ago, if I, my, my math is correct. I began praying one day. And as if the Lord just came right there to me, I, I became very sensitive of the Lord. And he said this over me, da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And for the next few days, every time I'd pray, I'd hear the Lord say that. Well, for all the years of my life, after 10 years ago, I never shared that with anybody. Zero. Not even Shelly. It was like it was a secret thing between me and God. This year in the month of April, I'm in a setting where I'm with a group of 12 men and we're praying. We've been praying for about two hours and I mean we are going at it. We're praying over the men of iron. All of a sudden this one guy, he turns around, he points his finger at me and he said, you're a warrior and a fighter for the kingdom of God. And when he said that, I turned around and looked at him like, how'd you know that? I've never shared that with anybody. And I just looked at him. A week later, I'm in a setting with five guys. And we're praying again. We're tearing it up. A different guy turns around. No one that had been in the meeting before. And he looked at me and he said, you're a warrior and you're a fighter for the kingdom of God. Now what he was meaning that to him when I got there with the Lord, it was when I pray. When I pray, and I'm telling you guys, when I pray, I, I, I turn into a different person. I mean, sometimes I don't even realize that I'm, I'm around other people. And here in between service, we had a guy that had some stuff happen in his life. It was like the, the power of God rose up on me. And it was, I was looking at him like, how dare you mess with the child of God? How dare you do those things to him? And so what ultimately began to happen after 10 years he spoke that, my character and my nature begin to do that. I begin to live and I begin to walk out that. But the problem that happens to most of us is this. The devil will come and he'll begin to tell you what you're not. And he'll begin to say, you're not a good this or that. He'll go back and he'll remind you, you're who you were when you were in high school. You are who you were or who you are when your mom and daddy got mad at you. You're still a loser. You're a hothead. You're insignificant. And before long, we begin to listen to what he said instead of what Father God said. Now, I could take you to the book of Judges, chapter 6. God shows up on the scene to a man named Gideon, and he says, you mighty man of valor. And Gideon's looking around saying, you got the wrong address. You got the wrong guy. How many of us does that stuff happen to? That the word of God will say this over us, but we say, oh no, no. My middle name is loser. My middle name is haunted. No, 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 no. I'm who God says I am. And he wants to give us a new name. And the way you find your new name is you begin to get in the presence of God and he'll begin to say, this is who I see you as. You're no longer this, but you're this. I'll turn back just a little bit to Peter. First Peter, just a little bit back to your left. You'll go through Jude and the Johns, and then you'll go to First Peter chapter 2. Get ready, get ready, get ready. You're getting ready to get blessed. Again. Some of you will say, how many times are you going to say that today? As long as we keep reading the Word of God, you're going to get blessed. 
God's going to begin to describe on some of you guys' heart today. Now watch this here in 1 Peter 2, verse 4. Coming to him as to a living stone, rejected indeed by men, he's talking about Jesus, but chosen by God and precious. Hmm. Jesus was rejected by men. You also, as living stones, as living stones, now, I highlight that because remember what he said to Peter there in, in Matthew 16. He said, you're the rock. And here he calls us living stones. Be pretty. Are being built up a spiritual house. Now, get a hold of that. There is a truth in there that is huge. He said, we are being built. You know what that tells me again? We're still a work in pro- Progress. You are being built. And so what God does, he, he has the foundation of salvation. And then as long as we keep getting back in the oven or on the wheel, he keeps moving us forward. We're being built. We're being shaped. We're being moved more and more into the likeness and to the image of God. And he wants us to be just like him. He wants us to mature in love. He wants us to mature in self-control. Those are good ones. I like self-control. It's one of the areas I still am in a work in progress. I see some of you that are very self-controlled, and I look and say, Lord, keep working on me in that. Keep working on me. So he says, we're being built. We are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood. Why are we being built up a holy priesthood? To offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Christ Jesus. Do you know what he tells me right there? Everything we do is for his glory. It's not for me to stand up here and say, Woo, look how great, how great thou art. It's not how God does. All I am is the messenger boy. That's a good thing, though. But again, we're being built up to give him praise. We're being built up that anytime anything good comes in my life, I say, oh, it's because of God. It's because of Jesus. And as long as you give him the glory and the honor, watch what he'll do. When you're a good mommy or daddy and you look and say, oh, it's all because of Jesus. God says, I'm going I'm to grace them. But when we get over and think, oh, I'm the hour, the man of the hour with power because I'm the greatest dad in the world. Get ready. God resists the proud, but he gives humble or he gives blessings to the humble. Keep reading. Therefore, it is also continued in the scriptures or contained in the scriptures. Behold, I lay in Zion. A chief cornerstone, elect precious, and he who believes on him will by no means be put to shame. By no means. You know where shame comes? It comes from the devil. He wants to shame every one of us. He wants to guilt every one of us. But if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Behold, old things are passed away. Understand this. Don't allow the devil to shame you, all right? You look and say, uh-uh, uh-uh. Jesus took all my sin. He washed me. You're not going to shame me. My life is no longer identified by my shames. And guess what? I got a bunch of shames. Some of you would be appalled of the book report on my life. But God's forgiven me. And God will forgive you. And you got to move forward. 
So there is by no means no shame. Therefore, to you who believe, he's precious. But those who are disobedient, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone, a stone of stumbling and rock of offense. They stumble being disobedient to the word to which they were also appointed. So you know what he's telling there? Anytime we reject Jesus, we become a stumbling block. But watch this. Now get ready. You're really, really, really getting ready to get blessed. Verse 9. But you are a chosen generation. Why don't we just say that? I am a chosen generation. Remember what he said to the Apostle Paul? I've chosen him as a vessel of mine. He's chosen you. Watch this. A royal priesthood. That's you. That's me. You know what a lot of people say? Oh, no, 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 pastor. I'm not a royal priesthood. Yeah, you are. So again, I've just got to get into agreement with what God said. God said you're a royal priesthood. Then he said his own, a a holy nation and his own special people. See, what happens when I begin to see myself in this light? In God's eyes, I am a chosen generation. I am a a royal priesthood, a holy nation. I am his own special people that you may proclaim or show the praises of him who called you out of darkness into the marvelous light. So my job, once again, as I begin to go around, I tell people, man, he took me out of the darkness and he moved me into light. This is what I used to be, but because of Jesus, this is who I am. If drunkenness had a name, it used to be me, but no longer because Jesus has set me free. If, if, if a good marriage was this way and a bad marriage was this way, I used to be this way, but now because Jesus is Lord of my life, he's made me a good husband. He's blessed my marriage. Again, I begin to see what God said. Now, here's the key. I say who he says I am. I am who he says I am. When he said I'm more than a conqueror, I'm more than a conqueror. When he said, I've blessed you, I'm blessed. I'm blessed of the Lord. So again, the key to all this is I begin to live under what he says about me. And I quit listening to the devil. And I say, okay, Father God, begin to work in me. Begin to shape in me your word. And he begins to change everything about me. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.